0: Off into this week, um, let's look at some things here to finish up the them he uh, him me them. We talked this morning about the go of the gospel. I don't have a background tonight. Um, I just want to talk about some verses that we can we can we can meditate on and focus on. And I want to start in Romans chapter twelve, verse three, and it says, "For I say through the grace." Given to me, and and just remember that that every one of us is here tonight because of God's grace. If it wasn't for God's grace, none of us would be here. And I want to remind you, I have written in my Bible. I've said this many times. My favorite—I um, don't even remember what the word, what the name of it is. When you take the words and put a an acronym, thank you. My favorite favorite acronym for grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. Amen. What a powerful thought that is—that we have the grace of God. And that grace came at Christ's expense. So it wasn't, we, we say it's free. And we say that, you know, our, that grace is freely given to us. But it wasn't free. It cost Jesus his life. And so we need to thank God every day for that. Amen. God's riches at Christ's expense. So let's continue to read. To everyone who's among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. How many know tonight that God has given us faith already? I, I've had to catch myself over the years when I say, Lord, uh, help me, uh, um, give me faith. I've said that many times over the years, erroneously, give me faith. God has already given us a measure of faith. What we need to say is, God, help me exercise my faith. God, help me use my faith. God, help me um, use, the, use the faith to the fullness of the capacity that you've given me. But don't ever ask him to give you faith, because this word right here says, God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Amen? And so it's almost like, God, make me taller. You know, you're, if you're a grown person, you're the height you're going to be. Amen? That's, that's what, so you've got to do what you, what you can do with the height you have. And so God has already given us what we need. We just need to use it. And then it says, for, we, for as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Now watch this. I want you to underline this. Let us use them. Let us use them. None of us are using, and I I will put myself there included, none of us are using the gifts that God has given us to the fullness of the capacity that we could use. And the reason we know that is because we're not seeing the fullness of what God wants to do in our lives. There's always more. And we, you, you might, we talked about this Wednesday with the me, you might think you don't have anything to give, but if you say, I don't have anything to give, or I don't have any talents, or I'm not, you know, I'm just a nobody. You know what you're doing? You're mocking God. Maybe not on purpose, but he just said right here in his word that he has given us gifts according to his grace. Now, maybe you don't know what your gift is. Maybe you need to pray and say, Lord, what is my gift? Maybe if you're not sure, you, you ask. And some of you might have some automatic um, gifts that you know of, things that you know that you're good at. But I believe there's probably some gifts that you have from the Lord that you haven't discovered yet. Some things that are in you, and, and it's not anything else you need. You already have it, amen? And God just wants you to exercise them. So he says, let us use them. He wouldn't say let us use them if everybody was using them. And the capacity of what God wants to do is limited, not by God, but by us not walking in that. So it says, if prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Now those are some things right there that we see teaching, exhorting, giving, leading, and showing mercy. Those are attributes that God expects us to have and use towards other people. That's the them. That we would learn to use these things so that we can be a gift to the kingdom of God, to the body of Christ, and be a gift to somebody else around us. So that we can show somebody else. And, and some of these are just so powerful. I think that um, not that anyone is greater than another, but that one that says exhorts in exhortation. You know, you can go a long ways by encouraging somebody. A long, long ways. And when we look at somebody's life around us, we can always find something wrong with that person. We can always find fault in that person. We can always find a weakness in that person. We can always see those things. Those things are easy to see, but a real child of God and a real man and woman of God looks beyond those things and finds things in someone's life and says, you're really good at this. You know, you're really good at this. Or, You you know, you have a gift in this and and, and encourage that person so that they would want to use it more. Amen. And sometimes that's all somebody needs. I believe all of us. Not that we do it for a pat on the back, but there's something about someone coming along and saying, you know what, you're good at that. You, you did really good. Think about going back, like I said this morning, to our childhood. When we were in kindergarten coloring, we loved it when the teacher came and said, man, that looks beautiful. And she was probably, or he was probably lying to us. He man, probably looked horrible, probably didn't look like nothing. It's like that joke where they said, now, how do you know what God looks like? And the kid says, well, they're fixing to find out because I'm drawing them, amen? And, and so it starts in our childhood when someone, when someone exhorts us and, 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 and tells us, hey, you're doing a good job. And sometimes it's not lying, but sometimes you're just, you're just saying something for them to be encouraged to continue to do some more of what they're doing, amen? And so we all have gifts. Let's, let's continue on in verse 9. This is what I really wanted us to look at. Here's the them. How can I really be a blessing to the kingdom of God and focus on other people? I need to love without hypocrisy. I need to abhor what is evil, meaning push aside what is evil, and cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor, giving preference to one another. Amen. I want to pray real quick. Father, thank you for these verses that we're reading. Lord, I pray for just a few minutes that you would arrest our minds and concentrate our minds on your word because these words right here are powerful. They're a challenge to us. They're things that we can look at and say, Lord, this is an area of my life that I can grow in. This is an area of my life that I can be better at. None of us love like we need to love. None of us are loving to the full capacity, Lord, that we, that we need to. But God, challenge us tonight to be, as we started off in that verse in the, in the beginning, to not think more highly of ourselves than we should, Father, but to live soberly and to be humble and to say, God, if you love me how I am and how I was, then help me to love somebody else that same way. Lord, let these qualities just be something we desire tonight. And we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Let's look at 10 again. Be kindly, affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor, giving preference to one another. We need to get to the place where we're putting somebody else before us. Can I say amen? Can you say amen? Can I hear a better amen? Amen. Amen. We're thinking. About, we're going to fail in that sometimes. We're going to fall short in that sometimes. But we're thinking, how can I make somebody else feel good? How can I encourage somebody else? How can I, how can I, you know, it's simple sometimes. We think of the big ones. How about when you you and somebody else are getting to the door at the same time? How about you step back and open the door for them? I mean, a lot of times we think of feeding the poor and, 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 gi- and giving clothes to the, to the homeless and, and, and all these big things, and that's great. But how about some little things? How about just stepping aside and loving on somebody and giving them courtesy and trying to be that person that's thinking about other people? That's what Paul is challenging us to do here. Verse 11, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit serving the Lord. I just sent this verse out, I think, yesterday, or the day before. Rejoicing in hope, patient. That's a tough one, in tribulation, and continually, continuing steadfastly in prayer. I had somebody this week say, hey, two out of three ain't bad. Hey, Amen. They were struggling with the patient part. Distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. You know what? I want to admonish some of you. Some of you are so good at that. That's a gift, hosting people, having people over, amen, having people over to your house and opening your doors and feeding people and and making people welcome. Some people are better than that, than other people. And so all of us have these gifts that we can can focus on and, and continue to do good to help people so they can see the Lord. So give into hospitality. Now watch this. Here's where the them gets a little difficult. Bless those who persecute you. Mm. Bless those. It doesn't just say put up with them. It doesn't just say pray for them. It says bless them. And I don't think he's asking us to bless them like, oh, I bless my enemies just by saying it. He's actually asking us to have a right attitude about it. And and I was telling somebody one time about this. Like I've always struggled with this. Not not with the blessing part, but the, the like if something done is done bad to you, or something happens to your family, or something's you know really bad, and you want to hate that person, and you want to hold a grudge, which we know we can't do. We can't hate them. We can't hold the grudge. We have to forgive them. The Bible says we do. That's where we. That's why it starts getting quiet in here. Amen. We have to. We have to forgive them. We have to love them. But then you start thinking, you know. What I would say is God's vengeance, the Bible says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And so at the end of the day, I say and I know that God, if that person does not change their heart, God will give them the vengeance. He will pay for, they will pay for what they've done. But at the same time that I say that, if my heart is right, I don't truly even want my enemy to pay. That may sound crazy. But if my heart is right, something inside of me says, you know what? As much as that, as, a, as horrible as that person did a thing to me, I would not want them to spend eternity in hell. Are you following me? Something changes in my spirit that says, okay, I understand if they don't repent and they don't change, they will pay the fiddler, they will have to answer, and, that, and that's a fact. But something inside of me says, I hope they repent because I don't even want my worst enemy to go to hell. Amen. I don't want anybody to have to, to be in eternity in that place, all for you know, suffering for eternity. So he says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Now watch this. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. I tell you all the time, when you hear somebody get up here and testify, we should rejoice with them. Your heart is right with God if someone gets up and testifies like Brian said and they've gotten a whole bunch of raises and you haven't gotten any and you are happy for them and you are excited for them and you're thankful that God is moving in their lives regardless of what's happening in your life. That's a sign that God is working on you. And then when somebody says something that's hurtful or they're in pain or they're suffering, you hurt. It bothers you. I don't ever get a prayer request for the intercessors that I don't stop and get bothered by it before I send it. Man, it bothers me. And then I send it on and we pray about it. But if I just got it and forwarded it, something would be wrong with me if it didn't bother me that somebody was hurting and somebody was in pain. So when someone's rejoicing, we rejoice with them. And when they're weeping, we weep with them. Verse 16, be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Now let's keep reading because it actually says here what I, what I said a minute ago. Verse 17, repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. And here's a key thing. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, here's what I just read a second ago. Do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Amen? You can know that. God will repay. And he says, therefore, if, here's another tough one. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so, you, by doing so, you will reap, heap holes of fire, coals of fire on his head. And finally, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. See, these are things we talk about a lot in discipleship. These are areas of the verses of the Bible we need to look at frequently. We need to do self-examination, and we need to go in there and say, Lord, how am I doing on this? You know, this is something I I need, I I can't truly show, I don't have this in my nose tonight, and this isn't the direction I'm going, but I can't, the Bible says, how can I say I love God if I don't love my neighbor? How can I love a God that I cannot see, say I love a God that I cannot see if I don't love the person right in front of me? So we have to learn to love, and God made it on purpose. This is another reason why he established church. He established us to come together and he established us to have different personalities and different uh, backgrounds and different ways that we interact so that we can be challenged to each other to love one another and to see past the faults and see the good and find common ground and how many know in church we all have common ground his name is Jesus amen he's our lord and our savior and we have common ground in him tonight amen and so we, we don't nothing else even matters. We have common ground that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. But it's interesting that he tells us to go and love our enemy, and some of us don't love each other. Come on, Come on now. Come on. So the them is, I can't focus on, and I'm not going to hit this very long, and I don't, I'm not saying this because of anything in particular that's going on, but it's always going to be an issue in church because we're people. But we can't go out and reach the world as long if we're not making sure we love each other. Right. Amen. We can't, we can't uh, go out and focus on the lost if we've got relationships that are broken amongst us. So those are things that we always have to be working on and always be focusing on. Let me give you a few more verses tonight. Philippians 2 verse 3, if you'll just write it down. It says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. That's a good quality. Let others be better than me. Let me focus on others instead of me. 1 John chapter 4, 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God. For God is love. I said this morning, I don't know if you can make yourself a claim that you're a Christian, if you don't have the desire to reach people. Come on. Because he says, if the love of God is in you, th- then, then, then we're going to have that same passion and compassion he has for others. So we have to make sure all the time that I'm staying in love with Jesus. This goes back to the hymn. And that he's working on me so that I can touch and reach them. Matthew 20. Let's go ahead and look there if you would. I want you to see the next two things I want you to look at as we close. Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 to 28. Give me a shout when you get there. Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 to 28. But Jesus called them over to himself and said, You know, the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. And those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Watch this. And to give his life as a ransom for many. It should bother us if if we get prideful or ever think that we're somebody or something or, or, or try to be elevated to something that we're not when Jesus himself did not do that. Amen? The, a lot of times in, in church settings and in denominations and religions, and I'm not going to mention religions tonight, but men are put up on a pedestal. They're put way up there, they're put high. They're put almost like God. And and you think how in the world do, do people allow that to happen? How do they how do they give them that adoration or, or worship that, that they that they have when when they when we see Jesus as an example that came to wash his disciples' feet. And he came, he said, "I came to serve, not to be served." If that's our example, how can we let anybody push us up to a place that we shouldn't be in? Amen? So we have to humble ourselves. I've said that many times. Maybe you haven't heard that in this place. Don't ask God to humble you. Humble yourself. Say, Lord, I, I want to keep myself humble. And here's, here's these, these admonitions here. Here's these words, like Philippians, saying don't do anything through self-ambition or conceit, but stay low. Stay humble. The example in the Bible that it gives is that if, if this is a, 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 a table of a banquet that you're invited to over here, and over here, at the, this is the front, and the person who invited is sitting here, then when you come into the banquet and there's empty chairs, everybody wants to sit by the, by the king or the leader or the person that invited. Everybody wants to, you know, rub shoulders with that person. But the Bible teaches us that I, I, should, I should come and sit down here at this end of the table, and then if it's God's will, then when I sit at this part of the table, then the, lead, the leader or the king or whoever it is will say, hey, what are you doing way down there? i got a seat for you right here by me. Come down here and sit by me. So you start lowly and humble and let, let that person exalt you. Because the flip side is you come in and say, man, I want to rub shoulders with this person. I want to sit by this person. And you sit right next to him right here. And then someone else. So the king comes in, sits down, and says, um, who are you? Um, why are you here? Uh, sir, come down here and sit in this person's place. And then you got to get up in front of everybody. And then you got to go down with your head down to the end of the table. And you got to sit down. There's a big difference between those two right there. How many would much rather be way down here and just be like, get called by the person, hey, come down here, and be that person that gets to walk down there and sit by the person? Amen. That's what the Bible teaches us. He says, if you'll humble yourselves on earth, in heaven you'll be exalted. And so we have to become less here so God can make us more there. Last verse, Galatians chapter 6. Let's go to Galatians. This is really powerful. Galatians chapter 6. Chapter 6, verse 1. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. And here's what I want you to see Bear one another's burdens. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill. The law of Christ. I'm going to keep reading in a second, but I want to stop there for a second as I close. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What does he mean by that? The Lord saw that we had a burden. God looked down from heaven and saw man and said, there's a burden there that they cannot handle. They're never going to be good enough to be in my sight. I'm going to go down and bear that person's burden. So he fulfilled the law by coming down and becoming that sacrificial lamb by coming down and be going to the lowest of lows and dying for us and giving his life for us so that we could so we could be saved and the bible says when we do that when we look at somebody else that's lowly and we go to that person and we bear their needs and bear their burdens then we are doing what jesus did isn't that what it's all about tonight church that we would do what jesus did and then it says for if anyone thinks himself something of himself to be something when he is nothing he deceives himself that kind of goes back to the table amen but let one and here's the last verse what let one examine each one examine his own work examine his own work and he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another father i thank you tonight that you are focused or worried about me and I need to be worried about me. And then when I get me right and my spirit is right and I'm humble and I'm in the position that I'm obeying your word and I'm loving you, I can begin to love others. And I can begin to share the love that you've given me with other people and I can be unselfish. And when I get to that place, it is a mandate from you it is, a, it is a commission from you. It is an order from you that I think about other people. God, we are so selfish in of ourselves. We are always having to fight and battle the temptation to put ourselves first. God, help us tonight. Help us tonight, Lord. As we talked about this morning, to look at the harvest. To look at the lost to look at those that are hurting. And sometimes, Lord, I think we think that it's it's such a big thing we have to do, but sometimes just being there, sometimes just a phone call, sometimes just a text, sometimes just a, hey, I'm thinking about you. I'm praying for you. Sometimes just a hand on the shoulder or a word of encouragement goes so far. Lord, help us to do that. Lord, as we're praying tonight, I think about how many times we run into somebody at the store. Somebody who's in a hurry. They may be going to a funeral. We don't know it. They may be going to pick up a sick child. Lord, that we could back away and let them go first in the line. Father, that someone's buying something real minimal at the the Walmart, and maybe we could pay for their $10. Just little things that we could do to put others before us. Lord, you'll help us and you'll guide us and you'll show us these things that we can do. And we're asking you tonight to help us think about them. You said, Lord, that we would ask you to forgive us of our debts as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lord, it's tough tonight to love our our enemy. Because, Lord, it's hard sometimes to love our neighbor as ourselves. It's hard to love someone who hasn't done anything to us let alone somebody who's hurt us. But God, I don't see anywhere here in your word where you asked if we wanted to do this. You told us we need to do it. And your word says that we should obey your commands. And that is how we show you that we love you, by obeying your commands. Lord, there's a harvest out there. There's a a bunch of people that are waiting for someone to tell them about Jesus. Let us be the ones Let us not love with hypocrisy. Let us love out of genuine love. And Father, tonight, if we're lacking that love, we can come, Lord, to your presence and say, God, I need a recharge, as Joe said at prayer. I need a recharge in tonight of my love. I need need to get a, a touch from you tonight. I need to be refilled with love tonight, Jesus. Maybe you're here and it's not love that you need. Maybe it's patience. Maybe it's humility. Whatever it is that you need tonight, God has it. God has it. He just wants you to ask for it. As your heads are bowed and eyes are closed all over this place, do you know Jesus tonight? Do you know him personally? Not have you been to a church service or been a member of a church or or said a prayer. Is Jesus Christ Lord of your life? Have you said, Jesus I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. If you haven't done that prayer, if you haven't made a public confession of your faith tonight, the Bible says today is the day of your salvation. No matter what age you are, no matter where you come from tonight, is your name in the book of life tonight. How many could say, Pastor, mine's not, but I want it to be. Just put your hand up all over this place. Pray with me tonight, please. I wanna be saved. I wanna make sure that my name's in the book of life. I wanna make sure that I'm saved. This isn't isn't about you changing church membership. This is about making sure that your heart is right with God tonight. Maybe you're here and you're saying, I gotta get some things right first. There's some things I need to fix. There's some things I need to get in order. Don't think that way because tomorrow's not promised. You can't wait till tomorrow or next week. You don't know what tomorrow holds. Come to Him tonight. He'll take you just like you are, and He'll fix you. He'll, he'll clean you up. He'll give you what you need tonight. How many say, that's me. Pray for me. I know the Lord's dealing with some people. He's dealing with you tonight. He's, he's knocking on the door of your heart. Maybe you knew the Lord at one time, and tonight... The devil's fighting you because he doesn't want you to come back. But you're, you're right there where you're saying, God, I want to get right again. I want to come back into fellowship with you again. And you need to rededicate your life tonight. Say, that's me. Pray for me tonight. Amen. If we're all saved in this place, then let's open up this altar tonight. And let's, let's, it's Sunday night. Amen. Let's, let's come and do what Joe said. Let's come and recharge. Let's find a place. Kneel, stand, whatever you want to do. But let's pray for a few moments and let's really, really earnestly, let's start tonight as we come to the altar by humbling ourselves and saying, Lord, I, I want to humble myself in your presence tonight. I want to make sure that there's no pride in me. I want to make sure that I'm not loving out of hypocrisy. But Lord, give me a genuine love tonight as I pray. As we sing this song, let's just.